we're halfway through 2020. Have you forgotten your New Year's resolution? During this downtime, have you considered a spiritual retreat? These topics and more on this best of edition of A View from the Top. Welcome to A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks, Bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our country. Now, here's Bishop Parks and the General Manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Today, we're offering a best of segment, a look back at some of the topics over the past year. We'll kick off today's program with a New Year's resolution from Bishop Parks. So we're into the new year. Did you or do you make New Year's resolutions? I try to continually really look at my life. Now, I'm not trying to make excuses, John, because I know many people do make formal resolutions and particularly on New Year's Eve. But I would say this year, maybe more than usual, I was a little bit reflective on my life and thinking about things that I would like to do or accomplish in the new year, Uh, some very personal things that uh, are between me and the Lord, but also, you know, trying to be more present to people this year in my ministry as bishop here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg. Oftentimes people make resolutions and within the first couple of weeks, or maybe it might go a couple of months, they drop them. But that doesn't mean we can't get back on the horse later on. Of course not. I mean, that's part of our human nature and our human condition, you know, whether it's a a resolution that we make or go to confession and we promise not to sin again. (laughs) And lo and behold, uh, not too distant away, we, we seem to fall into those same bad habits and sins. But the point is to continually try to be better people and to become that person that God has created us to be. So whether that's through resolutions or whether it's to through the sacrament of reconciliation, it's all about new beginnings and starting fresh. And I think that was for me personally, going to the penance service before during the Advent season was a good reminder. And of course, trying to continue that habit of going to confession and reconciliation into the new year, that's one of my resolutions to do a little more often than I typically have. I, John, I affirm you in that resolution and encourage our listeners to, uh, to take the same uh, commitment this year. In this next segment from January 2020, we talk about the bishops of the Southeast United States coming to Florida for their winter retreat hosted by the diocese. And then Bishop Parks talks about the importance of spiritual retreats in our own lives. As we're recording today, we are at the Bethany Center for the Bishop's Retreat. You're here welcoming the bishops of Region 14, I believe it is. Well, it's actually two regions. For those that may not know, the United States is divided into 15 different regions, Episcopal regions. They're geographic, so we're in Region 14, which would include the the bishops from North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. So we gather for retreat. But we also invite and and get together with the bishops from Region 4, which would be the Mid-Atlantic states, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and they also join us. So we have over 30 bishops here now for this week on retreat, and it's always good to be with them. Do you get nervous as being a host of of all these men who uh, oversee all these dioceses? Yeah, a little bit of pressure because we are the host diocese. We have a you know this beautiful retreat center here at Bethany, and something I'm very proud of as bishop. So uh, the bishops actually have been coming here for many years, uh, almost since the the center opened. Really, and and they love it. Well, if you're a bishop from the Northeast or Mid Atlantic to to come to you know beautiful Tampa or Lutz in this case for a week, you know the the weather's beautiful and it's a nice environment. It's very relaxed and very private. This time last year. You were going to Chicago. 
Did you have a retreat locally here following that? We didn't, actually. That took the place. Okay. Uh, and, and around the United States, many of the bishops go on retreat right after New Year's, like we do here. And uh, most of them did use that week in, in uh, Chicago at Mundelein Seminary for their retreat week. As we recollect, uh, over a year ago, that was a lot of that was for healing and reflection on the things that took place really in 2017 and 2018 and what was to upcome in 2019. Have you seen any fruits from that? Oh, I, th- I think I have. I mean, the, first of all, the week was, was incredible, you know, a very spiritual week. Remember, we met the bishops did up in Chicago last year, last January, because the Holy Father, Pope Francis, asked us to do so. And the reason he asked us to do that is because he knew that we would be making some important decisions and choices with how we were going to handle and respond to the, to the current abuse crisis that the church is facing. So we, we took that week for prayer and for discernment, a little bit of discussion, although it's a retreat, it's not a business meeting, so it was really spiritually focused. And also, one of the great blessings was that the Holy Father, Pope Francis, sent the preacher to the papal household, Father Cantalamesa, who's now in his 80s, but really an incredible man and uh, very spiritual, very prayerful, and very insightful. So I think the really that planted the seeds uh, which led to some of the actions that we took later in the year at the June bishops' meeting and then November of this year as well. You, you said that this one, the one in Chicago was more of a spiritual. The one that's taking place at Bethany this week, is that a mix of both business and spiritual? No, it's, it's purely spiritual. A retreat by its nature would be an opportunity for prayer and for reflection. Here the bishops celebrate Mass together each day. We pray morning prayer and evening prayer together. We do share meals together. And there's a fair amount of downtime for personal reflection or reading or prayer, but then also some social time as well because, you know, we are brother bishops and it's good for us to be together from time to time to catch up. Sure. I know for our Spirit FM staff, we occasionally will bring in a speaker to help us, guide us in our spiritual walk, or to help us sometimes uh, tackle an issue that we might be dealing with. Is that the same with the bishops? It is. For this particular retreat, as with many retreats, you would have someone called the retreat master, and they're the one who is uh, presenting the talks. So each day, I, I think we have three talks that are given. They're usually about 30 to 45 minutes each. The presenter this year is Archbishop Al Hughes, who is the retired Archbishop of New Orleans and a very well-respected bishop. And so we're looking forward to uh, to hearing his spiritual insights this week. Not only are the bishops on retreat, but some of our seminarians are also on retreat, those that are preparing for the diaconate, transitional diaconate, and for the priesthood. An exciting time for them as well. Oh, it sure is. And again, it's a, it makes sense. You know, we're at the beginning of a new year, so it's a great opportunity to, to look at our spiritual lives and kind of take an inventory of where we're at in our relationship with the Lord and what he has called us to do. And so it's, as it's important for bishops and priests to do that, it's equally important for our seminarians and, and particularly those that are preparing to receive either diaconate or priesthood later this year. So yeah, both of our seminaries will be in, on uh, silent retreats actually this, this week. John, the bishops don't do a silent retreat. Maybe we should. But, <laughs> <need> more disciplined. <laughs> uh, I, I think the seminarians are maybe a little more disciplined than we are in that respect. <laughs> so I want to ask you about that, a silent retreat. What's the benefit 
I know that you have said to our audience and to me personally, we need to listen to the Lord. Is that what the silent retreats are for? It, it is. It really helps you to focus on what the nature of the week or the retreat is supposed to be. You know, if you're involved in idle conversation or unnecessary conversation, you can kind of get distracted. Whereas on a silent retreat, you're not speaking to each other, uh, not because you're being rude to, to each other, but you're being respectful and want to set that time apart for God. You are allowed to speak, but it's usually to a spiritual director or advisor who would be available during the week for some spiritual counsel or to celebrate the Sacrament of Reconciliation. But really, the, the silence is, is, as you just said, mainly to listen to the Lord and not to clutter our lives with too much unnecessary talk. Are silent retreats hard to find? I mean, I know that Bethany Center has things, House of Prayer and Clearwater. Do parishes do those kind of things? Typically, a, a parish would, they might offer a silent retreat, but most often you would have to go to a retreat house uh, for a special retreat like that. There's two different types of retreats. You can have what they call a self-directed retreat, which is basically where you just go to a retreat house, stay there, spend time in quiet prayer, but you're not listening to talks every day by a retreat master. And then you have directed or preached retreats, which is what this one is with the bishops, where you actually have a priest or a bishop or could be a deacon or even a layperson who's giving talks every day, which you listen to and then reflect upon. If I'm going on a silent retreat, and I'm there to listen to the Lord's voice, how do I know it's not me speaking to answer my own question or that's truly God speaking to me? <laughs> and that's a deep question. Yeah, it is. They, they kind of call that discernment of spirits. Is this the spirit of God or is it the spirit of the world You know, that's speaking to me? And uh, that's a constant battle that we have to deal with. What I usually tell people is, Usually if it's God speaking to you, if it's his will, or if he wants to tell you something, when you reflect upon it truly and sincerely, you generally have a peace in your heart and in your soul that, that you may not have, you know, if it's something that's purely of your design or of, of your initiative. Not to say that God's will is always going to be easy, may not be what we want to hear, but we're at peace with it. And that's usually a pretty good assurance that, that we're listening to the Lord. Going a little deeper here now. God, show me a sign. Can you give me a sign? Is that putting our God to the test? <laughs> well, in a certain sense, it is, right? Because you're, you're, you're telling God, you know, I want you to prove to me that, that this is what you're going to do or that this is what I should do. And that's what a lot of people want. They want assurance that, okay, this is God speaking to me and not John talking to himself no. to, to affirm what I think should happen. But that, that's why faith is a gift. You know, it's something we have to ask for and ask for an increase in our faith. You know, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Ignatian retreats, You ever have you ever participated in any of that kind of thing? I haven't actually done a formal 30-day Ignatian retreat, which is based on the Ignatian spirituality, you know, a lot of scripture and a lot of reflection. Uh, but I have done other kinds of retreats. I have done parish-based retreats like Church, Christ Renews His Parish, Curcio, those kind of things. Very beneficial. Have you ever worked on any of those kind of teams? Yeah, both worked on them, but also um, have been a re uh, attended retreats. For example, I attended a young adult retreat when I was uh, before I entered seminary in Orlando. In fact, in many ways attended that retreat and kind of started discerning once again. How about that? Uh, it was just a weekend retreat. Was involved in my parish and at other parishes with, with what's called FOCUS, 
which is a weekend retreat as well. And I was part of the team for that. So I've been involved with many different kinds of retreats and a lot of them follow the same format. You know, you have a retreat team. A lot of times uh, there'll be talks that uh, individuals will give on different topics. You have time to reflect on that and then discuss the talk in a small group setting. Vaping and marijuana use has increased in our society, especially among our young people. In this segment from September of 2019, Bishop Parks talks about the church's stance on vices. I want to jump right in with some science, morality, and faith topics. I started out by saying vaping and the marijuana movement. I'm telling you what, every time I turn on the news, there is some new study coming out. And the first time I saw vaping, I was coming from a USF football game. I was going through the fast food place, and all of a sudden, billowing smoke came out of the car right in front of me. I thought the car was breaking down. It was three boys in there vaping. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking, well, that can't be good for you. And it got me to thinking about, well, why has our society gone this way? Yeah, you know, I I couldn't agree with you more in that, uh, boy, this is a very present topic today. And uh, every time I watch the news, it seems like not a day goes by or two where there's not another story about somebody who's in the hospital or was taken to the ER, uh, a teenager even, a young person whose lungs are are damaged or scarred because of the effects of vaping. And um, the other thing I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed it uh, in your neighborhood or where you live, is, you know, there's a lot of these uh, vaping lounges or storefronts. Yeah, smoke shops, these storefronts that are popping up that offer CBD and vaping and and other words and things. I don't even know what they are, to be be honest. But they're becoming very, very prevalent. I I live off of 4th Street here in St. Petersburg. And I would say with just in the last two years since I have lived here, uh, there's probably 10 different shops that I pass on the way home or coming to the pastoral center that are these smoke shops that offer vaping and other types of, of smoking. Well, now it's become a, a health issue. We're seeing it in the in the evening news where young people, kids and young adults are ending up in the hospital and so forth. And I know you, you said off mic that you've had conversations with some other priests about it. And, you know, it impacts even our Catholic schools. Oh, it sure does. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe people think it's healthier you know, than smoking. I, I think vaping, if I understand, was was introduced as a way, at least this is what they say, right. of helping people to kind of wean off of smoking. So if they had a desire to stop smoking, it was maybe a way of getting them off of that to, to quit. But what's happened is that through the marketing of these devices and the different flavors that they offer, our young people have really picked up on that. And it's become an epidemic. It's being used, as you said, even in our Catholic schools or high schools younger, and it's not healthy. We, I, I don't think we fully understand the, the bad health effects of it yet. We're starting to see it with these folks that go to the hospital. They can't breathe or they're in pain. You know, they, they have to intubate them or put them on a breathing machine, and some people have even died because of it. So it, it is a uh, kind of a national health epidemic at the moment. Now, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, smoking was a popular vice, I'll call it. And as science grew, we determined that smoking was dangerous to your health, could cause cancer. So what does the church say on these kind of things when it comes to, we've got this new product that's out there today, and we already know what's gone on in the past? It's not really considered a sin, is it? 
Well, it could be, and, and the reason I say that is we believe that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, right? And our bodies are a gift from God, and they're given to us for a reason, and that's to fulfill his will, to preach the good news, and to be loving towards others and compassionate in our world. So to the extent that we might abuse our bodies by putting things into them that are not good for us, really we're kind of following a path other than what God intended our bodies to be used for. So yeah, I would say if if we're purposely doing something, whether it be alcohol or, or smoking, which could shorten our life or is not good for us, we really need to pray about that and try to determine if we really need to be doing those things or if ultimately they're going to keep us from fulfilling God's will for our lives. Setting proper priorities in our lives is important for our spiritual growth, as Bishop Park shares in this next segment, uh, talking about priorities in life. And in Luke chapter 16, uh, Jesus talks about prioritizing those things, taking care of the things that are large matters and small matters. And sometimes as you know, parishioners, we get those kind of things mixed up. It seems like work gets in the way on Sundays. Ball games get in the way on Sundays. Even our own, hey, I've got to do my fantasy football. And yet that's not going to get you to heaven. No. Funny, I I saw on uh, social media, I think it was on Facebook recently, there was a picture posted of a, a man sitting in a football stadium, and the place was just covered in snow. I mean, it was uh-huh. like there was a blizzard, but they still had the game, and there's snow in the aisles, there's snow on the chairs. He's got snow all over him. And I think the caption was, and you can't get to mass on Sunday. That, that's know? a great point because uh, our last our last conversation we had was talking about storms and yeah. getting to mass. Yeah. So I just thought I thought that was kind of funny when I saw that, but but it is true. We we have priorities. We have things that we consider in our lives to be more important than others. We need to have spiritual priorities and to recognize that in many ways uh, those are the most important because they keep us balanced and they keep us in communion with God. As I've said before, I I often think of like going to church, coming to Mass on Sunday or Saturday evening as kind of like being the bookends to the week. So that's how you start your week. That's how you end your week. You begin and you end with God. And that's a good way to start and begin. I know that for my family and I, it's rare these days, and my kids are in their early 20s now, to be able to have dinner together. But it's always a blessing when the four of us can sit down and have a meal and actually talk about our week, even if it's just for 15 minutes, I mean, there's a real blessing there. And, and I think we've kind of lost that in our society today. Yeah, I think, I think we have. And um, I think the first thing that comes to mind uh, to me, John, is, is like Mother's Day or Father's Day. You know, we spend so much time thinking about gifts, like what am I going to get mom? What am I going to get dad? Tell you what, they, I'm sure they enjoy the gifts, but probably the greatest gift is just the time with you. You know, to have that time with your children, particularly if they're adults, and to just sit down and talk. You know, put the cell phones down. (laughs) Put that stuff away and and just have a conversation. Share your lives. Express concern for each other and say, how are things going? And express our love for each other. That's important to do. When you were a kid growing up, y'all had good family time together, I'm assuming. But I know your mom was busy with church activities, too, at odd times. Mom and dad were both always very involved in our parish growing up when we were when we were younger. One of my memories, though, is Sunday afternoon. Sunday was, of course, this would be back in the 70s at that time. But 
Sunday was still very much of a holy, a sacred day, the Lord's Day, and uh, wasn't a, there weren't a lot of stores that were open even at that time, so people weren't really working. But Sunday in our house was a, a day when we always had a nice meal together. What I remember is we'd sit in the dining room. So, so during the week we'd be in the kitchen. We had a table, a kitchen table in there, uh, but we had a more formal kind of setting in the dining room. And Sunday afternoons, kind of have a late Sunday right. afternoon dinner together as a family. Maybe I, I didn't always appreciate it when I was, you know, eight years old sure. or nine or ten, but certainly looking back, it's something I remember. And I know that they appreciated that too. Uh, you know, a big treat in the Morris household when I was a kid was we were either going to go to Morrison's or Piccadilly and one of those buffets. You ever did you ever do that when you were a kid? <laughs> we sure did. I I don't know that we had those up in New York, John. But, but you uh, had something. <laughs> we the, had. The, the, the hook for these places was you get your tray, and the first thing it's not the meat and potatoes. It's the big desserts, yeah. the pricey desserts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My brother and I would just bullet them off. Yeah, we'd uh, well, something we'd do as kind of a treat it would be if we were out shopping or doing errands as a family and whatnot. Mom and dad would take us to friendlies, you know, and we get some ice cream, okay. you know, and uh, that was always kind of an enjoyable thing oh, to yeah, do. I, yeah. The other thing I remember is uh, coming home in the afternoon from school, so about 3 o'clock, 3.30. My mom wasn't working at the time. Uh, this was kind of when we were in grade school early mm-hmm. on. But when we got home, she'd always have a snack for us. Nice. And, and we'd sit down in the kitchen and she'd get us uh, you know, a cupcake or something like that. And then she'd kind of say, how was your day and how was school? Fine. And You know, <laughs> I don't remember uh, saying that, John. <laughs> but, but, you know, we talk about things and what we did and so forth. So those are, are good memories. And, gosh, I hope, uh, hope we're not losing that. Yeah. Those are shows like uh, the Andy Griffith show is always one of my favorites, taking you back to uh, just simpler times with good lessons. Bishop, before we wrap up the program today, I had a question from a friend of mine who's not really a full-on, I won't call him a practicing Christian. He, he might go to church, uh, you know, once a year at Christmas or, you know, a funeral or something like that. And uh, we were on a hunting trip one time, and he asked me, why does the church have so many rules? <laughs> that's a really good question. And it's a broad uh, one, too. But it does seem, and that's something people often think about when they think about the Catholic Church, is it's a, a church of rules. And uh, what I would say, John, is that uh, remember that God gave us laws, right? So he gave us rules or laws to follow the Ten Commandments. And his reason for doing that was to help to keep the people in line with his covenant. So these laws or these rules that we have in our church, these moral teachings are not meant to limit our freedom, but rather meant to amplify it. So by that, I mean that rather than saying I'm limited by all these different rules, we should say I'm never more free than when I follow God's law because I don't become attached to things in the world that aren't good for me. You know, I stay on the path that God set before me, and uh, that is ultimately a path that leads to heaven and to eternal happiness. When the young man uh, says, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom? Love God with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength. You know, it's not a, you can't do that. It's, this is what you need to do, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's uh, stated in a very proactive way, not a, again, not a limiting way or a negative way, but in a very positive way, this is how you should live your life, right? Right. And that's, uh, that's what our Lord wants us to do, is to, to live our lives. He gives us the gift of life, gives us free will, the ability to choose, but he also gives us a roadmap 
uh, of how to get to the kingdom. And that's what we should all try to do is to follow that roadmap. As we close up our time together today, would you lead us in a prayer that will help us to be mindful of that roadmap, to to be open to the, instead of the rules of the faith, the beauty of the faith? Of course. So God, our Father, we always praise you and thank you for the gift of life, for creating us, for calling us into being, and for being with us each and every day of our lives. We pray that we may remain open to you and to having a relationship with you. For we know that when we follow you, we find life and we live life to the full. We ask all of these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.